Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right, this is a second episode that I'm recording about resentment. Um, that doesn't mean it will come out in the order that I've recorded it. I have no idea how it will come out. <laughs> but resentment seemed to be a topic that kept pop- popping up. And as I mentioned in the other episode, um, I invited some fellow coaches to sort of ponder resentment with me. And you, Ksenia, were one of the people who had a response that I was like, ooh, fascinating. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. So I don't know that I said your name right, um, but I like when my guests introduce themselves and say who you are, what you do, why you decided to say yes to this podcast, and anything you feel like a listener might want to hear about you. And then we'll just start chatting. Awesome. So I'm Ksenia, and I'm not sensitive about how it's pronounced. It's a Ukrainian name, and my father was Ukrainian. It's beautiful. And thank you. And um, I love to support Generation X men and women, and I help them with their whole lives. Mm. And I love that we're talking about resentment because people accumulate resentments and it kind of builds up in this life stage so it a lot of people in you know in that kind of in my age group in this generation group have resentments and and have accumulated a lot of them and it can really color their experience of Mm. the present and the future Mm. That's so good. Okay. So (laughs) I am one of those people who I don't even know what generation I'm in and I could look this up every single day, I think, and still forget. So (laughs) people who are 42 to 57 years old. Oh, me. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of, a lot of Gen Xers don't know they're Gen Xers. And so I always struggle with using that label because a lot of people don't see themselves as being part of that generation. Mm -hmm. But I, I use the label because people born between 1965 and 1980 have quite a specific mm-hmm. experience of being parented, growing up, entering the adult world. And I think it creates some, there's some common experiences that have shaped yeah. our lives and how we do life. Yeah, no, Mm -hmm. I think so too. And I also think we are a really interesting generation who kind of bridge the worlds of like lack of internet and internet, (laughs) which presents us a lot of really interesting like mental health challenges and like life experiences and it kind of like generations after us just know the world with accessibility and internet internet and social media and we know both worlds like 
yeah. in a really interesting way. So anyway, okay. Thanks for reminding me that I'm Gen X. I will probably forget <laughs> it tomorrow. It's okay. <laughs> but I love that you talked about accumulated resentments and the clarification of the age makes sense too. Like we've lived a fair amount of our lives. Like a lot of things we've been through a lot of experiences. We've been in a lot of relationships. Um, and it's just like anything, right. Accumulated grief accumulated. Mm -hmm. Like it's like when things get layered, they really start to color our experiences in ways that become like harder, not harder, but like maybe harder, a little more complicated to dissect and tease out. Like, where is this coming from? Absolutely. Like, why am I feeling so much resentment about this? Oh, maybe because it's stacked on top of like the other six underneath it. Yeah. Yes. And also, you know, the way um, you know, I learned a lot of about resentment from Al Turtle, who is, um, he work, does Imago work, but also has developed his own sort of framework for looking at relationship dynamics and, and healthy long-term relating. And so he defines resentment as a memory of past invalidation mm. and when you're experiencing resentment towards a focused person in your life, whether it's your partner or a family member, it can, it can, the original trigger could be way back in your childhood. Mm. And I think what's interesting about generation Xers is most of the gen Xers I speak to experienced a style of parenting that where they did not feel seen and heard and understood and validated in their childhood. Mm. And, and a lot of us just had parents who were either very preoccupied with, you know, stuff going on in their lives. It, that just was not uh, like a, a lot of us just did not have parents who were very present to our experiences um, because uh, they were living their best lives or divorcing or workaholics or, you know, many reasons for it. And a lot of generation Xers were kind of experienced sort of a benign neglect or worse mm. in their childhood. So, mm. so I think that, 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 that starting point creates sort of a foundation where, it's easy for other layered resentments to be layered. Yeah, interesting. Um, well, I mean, you spoke the words that would have me talking about resentment on this podcast. Um, it comes up a lot around abortion, mostly in relationships, um, mostly in the relationship that that caused or created the pregnancy um but sometimes in like more of a relationship with a with a parent or a friend who told someone they should do something um so I think my audience has that experience 
and also resentment towards society, right? Toward the, the social systems that have us feeling not seen, not heard, not understood. And so I think so many of us in our abortion experiences feel not seen, not heard, not understood. And it's really easy to want to blame a partner, blame a, a friend or a mother who said, you know, it's okay, just have the abortion, you'll be fine or whatever it is. Um, or society for like, I don't lot. Okay, maybe I still have a lot of resentment <laughs> for the fact that like our options are so limited. Like I, I yeah. felt like I wanted to blame like the medical system for having such crappy birth control options. And I would resent the fact that like that was all I had available to me um, and get yeah. really angry and want to blame and not feel seen and heard and understood in my desire to choose when to be pregnant. Um, so what I hear you saying is especially when we have some kind of upbringing where we feel not seen, heard, and understood, when we feel that again in an abortion experience, like, of course it gets strong. Of course it's yeah. intense. Yeah, because whatever person is presenting that trigger behavior where you're experiencing it as not being seen and understood it's getting linked up to that past invalidation. Yeah. And I really, I really get it. Like my, my, you know, I watched my mom go through having high blood pressure. She couldn't take oral contraceptive medication and then went through this whole experience of <laughs> unplanned pregnancy yeah. and you know, in those days, abortion was a secret yeah. that you carried with you. And it was a burden that you carried by yourself. And, you know, hopefully your partner, in my case, my mother, you know, did have um, her husband, but they were alone with that. Yeah. So he carried the burden of <laughs> validating that whole experience and without the support of society yeah. and a community and so like it's a lot it's a lot <clears throat> now that you look back you can see it that way and now that you're an adult I assume you're in the Gen X category, <laughs> but I am. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so now that you're an adult and you can look back and see the ways that she, but they, right? Your parents both were not seen and heard and understood. Um, can you see how different it felt watching it happen as a child than the way you see it now? Um, in some ways, I don't think it's changed a lot. Like, I didn't know it was happening as a child. I didn't know at the time. 
and I still see, you know, people, my peers, you know, they don't share about their experience. Maybe, you know, maybe you'll tell your closest family member, your best friend. Mm -hmm. Most of my friends would tell their husband, but again, like the circle of support is very small. Um, I know that some women are able to share about their experiences, um, but many, I assume, don't. Yeah. You use the word burden, which is what made me curious to ask the question is like, as a child, now that you look back, can you identify that they were carrying that burden? And you knew it was there and you felt it, but you didn't know what it was. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, definitely there were, you know, things going on, tensions, undercurrents, some level of unspoken drama. Yeah. And um, yeah, you can see it when you look back for sure. Yeah. So this is making me think when we're, I'm stepping outside of like, how do we care for ourselves in when we know we're feeling resentful and into when we're around other people and it becomes clear to us that they have some resentment. How do we see and hear and understand them, even though we don't understand the situation? Are, are you speaking like if you're the focus person, if you're the person that is the focus of the resentment? Like if I'm around someone, maybe a friend who's had an abortion and they're presenting as having a lot of resentment like it's not fair he doesn't have to go through this he doesn't understand I'm using the language he because it's just the most common language I hear yeah um and we as a support person can identify that there's some resentment happening and we know from having listened to this podcast, that resentment in Al Turtle's definition is a memory of a past invalidation. How might we as a friend go, oh, this person is really feeling some resentment. How can I see and hear and understand them in a way that could soften this um, not to make it more palatable, but to make it less intense for them to, in a way that would be healing yeah. for them. Yeah. And actually I wrote down the steps because Al Turtle teaches things oh, nice. in a way that's very simple and like actionable. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe and, that's um, why I asked the question because you'd already written <laughs> the answer. <laughs> so like, um, you know, there's, there's always like the, you know, maybe an invalidation from the distant past, 
And then there could be, you could be the person that someone's resentful to, or you can just be a stand in for that focus person where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to like hold space for your experience here. Right. Yes. And so like, I wrote down the steps and, and if you, like, if you are willing to do that for a person, which is such a beautiful gift, he, he would call it validation. And, and, and it's interesting, I went and reread his definition of validation. And I found it super helpful because in his definition of validation, it's not about like, often, when we're talking to a friend or a partner, we see things about them that they don't see about themselves. And sometimes good things and sometimes also like areas where they haven't healed or they have a growth opportunity. Um, but when we're validating, we're, we're showing that we see things from their point of view mm-hmm. on the surface, their on the surface point of view, that we see it, that we understand it, that we hear it. We're not interpreting their experience or where it come from or why they feel that way any of that yeah so he uses his terms very specifically and he defines them and that's why I'm that's why I'm bringing that in because validation could mean different things to different people Mm -hmm. and so what it would look like is first of all like what was the trigger what what happened that you know, created like that, that triggered your resentment. So what, what experience, what did you see? What did you hear? Yeah. And then the second is like, what feelings did that bring up? Yeah. And then like, how did you react when you felt that way? Um, how, how did it hurt Mm. to have that experience? How did that experience invalidate? How was that? How did you experience that as invalidating? Mm -hmm. What fear did that bring up for you? Mm, what a great question. And then, and then the final one is like, does this remind you of anything from the past? Does this remind you mm. of this feeling invalidated in the past? Mm-hmm. So this is a practice he offers for a person who's choosing to, you know, hold space. He doesn't use that term, but choosing to hold space for someone else's experience of resentment. Mm. And it's, it's applied empathy. Mm. I think it's really hilarious that, that you had all this ready. And I was like, (laughs) should talk about this from the angle of what do you do if you're around someone 
Uh, I'm still having a moment that I'm just like, oh man, we are always. I'm, well, I, okay, I'm a, I'm a total nerd. And yeah. like when I went through a divorce 12 years ago, I really nerded out on a lot of like trying to figure out what the hell went wrong and how to fix it, how to fix myself, how to fix everything. Yeah, yeah. And so I really did go on like a very deep exploration of like, like trying to find ways of looking at relationships that made sense to my brain. Mm-hmm. And his teaching really resonates with me because it offers both self-responsibility, which brings you within your own area of control, but also opportunity for us to support each other in our, you know, healing resentments. Yeah. I think our go-to is often, how do I fix? How do I fix? How do I fix? And this is more like, how do I see? How do I be? And like, even when you um, talked about the gift of validation and how some of us have really different definitions of what validation is. I think some of us think validation and we see this a lot, especially in friendships or, um, or relationships that um, are just about like strict love and support and play versus like the challenging of the thoughts (laughs) so I think a lot of times we can see we can think validation is your right versus I see what you see exactly and it's a really critical distinction because you know as a friend you may show choose to show up in a way of like you know reinforcing you know, let's, let's face it often when we're feeling resentful, there's, we're blaming. Yeah, That's what's exactly. happening, right? Yeah. And, and as a friend, you can choose to show up in a way that's like, yeah, I blame that person too. Mm-hmm. But if we're looking at he- being in a role of healing resentment, resentment, we're not buying into the blame part of it. And when we're healing our own resentment too, we're like, it's not blame. The healing self that even when we're validating ourselves, we're coming back to ourselves. We're, we're not blaming. Mm-hmm. We're recognizing that that person's behavior is creating a memory, it's bringing up emotions. And ironically, often when we're resenting, that step where we're doing the reactive behavior that often creates resentment in the other person yeah yeah okay let's take your steps and let's try and look at them if you're up for it yeah in like an example right so I'm talking with a friend who's feeling pretty raw after an abortion and she's she or they are saying things like um I didn't have a choice he made me do it it's not fair 
Yeah. In step one, being the friend who's giving the gift of validation, we might just be curious and say, what happened? Yeah. What else might we ask in that case of like, I didn't have a choice. He made me do it. It's not fair. Yeah. I mean, I think like as coaches, that's sort of coming back to like, what were the actual circumstances? Yeah. Cause that's, that's identifying the triggers. Like what actually happened? What did he say? Yeah. What did he say? It's just like such a simple question. What did he say? What did he do? What did he do? Where were you? What was happening around you in that moment? You know, what, what's, you know, when had you learned that you were pregnant? How, how far along was it? Like all of those just facty kind of questions. Yeah. Yeah, like identifying the circumstance, identifying the fact. Yeah. Okay, I love those questions. And then when we feel like space has been held to understand and see what happened, Mm -hmm. we move into what did that feel like? Is that right? Is that the next step? It is. And like, if if the friend is like most of us we don't always have the language for our emotions right like we don't always i felt like you know i felt like he was an asshole yes <laughs> right <laughs> we don't always have like the emotional literacy to be able to talk about our emotions and sometimes that can help like you know, what was, yeah. And and then when you were, you know, when you had, when you felt like he was an asshole, how did that feel? Or what was going on in your body? Like, you know, how did you experience that physically? How did that land? Because, because often when we ask people about their feelings, I'm sure you see this a lot, like, we don't even always know what our feelings are. Mm-hmm. They're just really being, again, being really curious. Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> I mean, is the foundation. <clears throat> Curiosity is the foundation for validation, I think. I think that's like the dominant emotion that, that drives and, and love curiosity and love yeah I mean in the example we've given it's most likely like you said earlier sometimes we can see how someone might be feeling even if they can't see how they might be feeling so let's assume we see that huh I wonder if what you're feeling is powerless What are some kinds of questions we might, is that an appropriate time to say like, is what you were feeling powerless or are there other questions that can help identify what that feels like without putting words in someone's mouth? 
it's really interesting yeah. for me because like I know all the things I would do as a coach and I'm yeah. like thinking about two friends talking <laughs> in this particular yeah. scenario and I'm trying to think about it outside yeah. of my coach lens and with inside of just a typical conversation <laughs> Yeah. And I think like, I don't think we necessarily like as friends or like romantic partners, I don't think we necessarily like have to be um, like off, you know, identifying the emotion, but, but maybe redirect. I think the idea is more just to redirect towards the, the physical emotional experience. Like, mm. you know, if someone is like, you know, suddenly they just felt like they wanted to vomit or like they just completely clenched up in that moment or they mm. felt like they wanted to run away. Like those experiences would be ones to really like be listening for. Like, yeah, yeah it's like I felt like I wanted to hide. I felt like I wanted to run away. Yeah. And then that's the place you can move into that more like, how did you react when you felt like you wanted to hide? How did you yeah. react when you felt like you wanted to run away? Yeah. How did you experience that feeling? And the, and the reaction the might have been in that moment, or it might have been like, uh, you know, I barely talked to him for the, for the month after that. Yeah. In this example that we've kind of played out, you know, I can hear that an answer to that question might be, I just gave in. I just took the pills even though I didn't want to. I just wanted it to be over. Yeah. So I, whatever. Um, and what's the power of witnessing all of this for someone of holding space for all of this for someone of gifting this seeing with your friend <laughs> yeah yeah I mean healing and validation creates safety mm -hmm. creates safety to belong while still acknowledging our differences in our individual experience yeah. because that's and and that's another thing that Al Tur Turtle teaches it's like he teaches relationships as being this tension between reliable membership and diversity and he teaches it he uses words like that because he doesn't just talk about intimate relationships he talks about you know group relationships or even countries mm. so like reliable membership is like I belong yeah I, I can feel safe in that belonging but diversity is my experience of this is not the same as your experience of this mm. and, and we so both belong yeah oh I love that yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that like validation as applied empathy 
is that is the bridge between the two. Mm-hmm. And this conversation is, I love that I had, that we had no idea where it would go. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just taken its own, its own uh, direction. Um, but what it has me thinking about now is how medicine and academics and probably a lot of like isms and hierarchy and patriarchy and all the things have kind of held hostage these types of like healing tools that can really be had between two people who are with each other and like we now are in this and I'm not saying that there are not things that like a licensed mental health provider or psychiatrist can see that the average person can't see but I'm also seeing how many places we might say to someone, have you thought about seeing a therapist? You should see a therapist. This would be a great thing to talk to a therapist with. And how, how much we as humans just give that power to, to a degree or some letters when like, we could really just ask some great questions. Yeah. And some of my clients, absolutely. And some of my clients have not experienced validation with their mental health professionals. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but yeah, most of them have not. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and the very people who are paid very handsomely to take care of our reproductive health often don't have the most basic skills of validation, you know? Yeah. I remember going, you know, I was going through some really difficult perimenopausal symptoms. And at one point I was just terrified. I'm like, this is not right. And I went, like, I went to the ER and I'm like, you know, it's not that hard to let someone know that, yeah, of course it makes sense. You're scared. Like this is, no one told you this was going to happen. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's not that hard. It's, yeah. it's not rocket science. Yeah, that's that's just like, that's exactly what I, I didn't have those words, but like, that's exactly what I kept just hearing is like, this is not rocket science. <laughs> we can be with each other in this way so much more than we give ourselves credit for. Yes. And so when we come to each other with a... um with the courage to like when someone comes to you with the courage to say I had an abortion and I'm struggling a little bit I'm also thinking how many people are listening to this podcast who are the ones supporting the person I don't know but it doesn't matter (laughs) um we can be the ones to say like I'm here to hear you and maybe you can also get other help but like I'm here to see you I'm here to understand and listen and be curious with you 
Yeah, because the truth is the mental health crisis that we're facing is not going to be solved by mental health professionals alone. There simply is not the capacity to do that. You know, I had a client who phoned the crisis line and got an answering machine. Like it's, it's a really, it's a time when we need to develop our skills to support each other. And I think one of the, the things that really gets in people's way when they're supporting others is the idea that they need to be the judge of what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, who's at fault? What should have been done? What should have happened? And I think, I think that if you can like put that, those pro- thought processes aside because those thought processes are not compatible with curiosity. Uh-huh. And that's exactly, I, th- I think I said this before we started recording, but um, I say a lot in this podcast, like I don't need it to offer answers or clarity or like, we're just here to have a conversation. So like when, when you and I got on, we'd never met each other. We've only interacted through messenger. I said like, I'm sure whatever we talk about will be great. We don't need to come to some like final destination for the listeners to take away. And that's how it can be in your conversations with other people. Like the pressure of having to like come to some ending to support someone is part of what stops us from supporting someone. When we can just go into the conversation going, we may not figure anything out. We may not say anything useful, but let's just see what happens. Yes. And, and especially um, people socialized as men often come to these, to their partners resentments and frustrations with the idea of of well we just need to figure out you know the answer yeah and and both people can be coming at it with like who's to blame if we figure out who's to blame then we can solve this problem yes and and it it just sets things down a path that just creates more invalidation and resentment and then there can be this whole accumulation of years of that yeah yeah oh my goodness but it can be healed the resentments Mm -hmm. from the past can be healed and the and the present ones yeah yeah and I just want to say to listeners that the angle we decided to take this was like a friend supporting a friend, but you can get out a journal and be that friend to yourself. Like so important. You can do this work on a piece of paper with a pen and have that conversation inside your own head. Like see and validate yourself in this way. Yeah. And I haven't, you know, I haven't always been with partners who would a would be able to do this kind of partner work with me oh gosh and my husband would never do this with me. <laughs> <laughs> never. so but I, but I have done it for myself yeah me too 
And the more I do it for myself, the more I'm able to do it for others. And, and, you know, it starts with, when you start with a solid sense of self and your own validity, when you're able to be grounded in the validity of your own experience, yeah, then you, then it, you can work through a lot of your resentments on your own and not be reactive in such a way that you're creating an invalidating trigger for another person that yeah. then has them <laughs> lashing back at you. Yeah. 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 And I sort of laughed about my husband not ha- like wouldn't have this conversation with me, but you know, I'm even noticing sometimes he does. And I'm the one who's like, I don't want to do this with you. I want to figure it out myself. You know, he'll be like, Oh, you know, what happened? What did that feel like? And I'm, I, I'm the one that shuts down. I think yeah. sometimes because I need, I think sometimes we do need to like work it through on our, on our own. Sometimes we need to work it through with an intimate partner. Sometimes we work, need to work it through with a friend. Um, and I think this is a conversation that like ideally would have some consent, like some, you know, yeah. like, do you want to talk about this? Yeah, do you this? want to talk about this? Exactly. Is this a good time? Like, yeah, like it's, it's not something to just launch into randomly. Yeah. 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 And naturally, um, the consent's going to happen between every stage too, right? If you ask what happened and they start to tell you and realize they don't want to talk about it, it's a point yeah. to go like, okay, that's fine. I just, I just wanted to, you know, in, a, in your own head, like I open that door. That doesn't mean we have to finish it. It doesn't mean we have to get through all the stages. Like, yeah. um, it's not like, I can't help my friend if I don't get through all these questions. It's just, if it's something two consenting people want to engage in, here's some ways that that can be effective. Yeah, because that person, even just saying what happened, you know, that is a moment of having your experience witnessed. Yeah. And you can hear, like, as soon as you said that happened, um, what happened, I was just imagining hearing what happened instead of, oh, that's awful. (laughs) You know, like, sometimes if someone were to say, I forgot how I worded it at the beginning. Like, I didn't want to, he made me do it. It's not fair, whatever it was. Um, And then someone says, oh, that's awful. It's like a, this, like I can feel my body being like, (gasps) versus what happened? And everything just feels softer and more open. But I think our natural response as friends is more like, oh, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, that's like, you know, and sometimes our friends are looking to us like, you know, I had a friend call me yesterday and it's like, oh, my husband did this and this and this. And like, isn't that terrible? (laughs) That's like, and, you know, sometimes they you know, she was looking for what she saw as validation, which was me saying, you know, 
you're right and he's wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Versus and 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 agreeing with her story of blame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having Thank this you. It was really, really interesting yeah. talking about this and, and it, it just seems so like obvious to me that like the more like private and secret these trigger experiences are like the more, um, the less opportunity there is to have our experience validated and to feel yeah. seen and understood around around the trigger experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Lots more conversations like this to be had. Yes. They are healing <laughs> the world. <laughs> Thank you. Thank How you. can people I- find you if they want to learn more from you? I, my website, my website is KseniaBarton.com and I'm on Instagram at Ksenia underscore Barton. And Ksenia is K-S-E-N-I-A. And we will link to it, of course, of course. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed being able to talk with you. Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.